This is the Craft of Coaching podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous. As the director of a life coach training program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve the skills and the industry. Learn more about our program at teamclcc.com. And here's today's episode. Hey, everybody. Today, we're talking about being a coach and being an author. <laughs> a fun topic for me because um, it, it was always a dream for me to write a book. And I know that's a really common thing that people want to do in their lifetime. I know it's something that shows up on quite a few applications for the Courageous Living Coach Certification. People talk about um, some of those bigger dreams. And certainly we we also see dreams like have a TED Talk or a podcast or things like that. But writing a book definitely ends up on the list. So I thought I'd share a little bit about what it has been like, my experience of being a coach and an author. My first book came out in 2018. It is called The Courage Habit. It came out with a traditional publisher, New Harbinger Publications. And um, it's had some teeth, actually, because even in 2019, Book Riot was naming it one of the best top books on habits. Um, and when it came out, it got quite a few endorsements from New York Times bestselling authors and other people and it was, it was very fun. It was very fun to see the endorsements come through. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit today about, for those of you who have the dream of both and you're specifically thinking to yourself, okay, but how, how does that work? How do you find the time? How do you get the book out there into the world? All that good stuff. I wanted to speak to that a little bit. So one of the first things that I want to say is that my book proposal was rejected five or six times over almost 10 years before it finally found a home with a publisher. And the reason that I want to say that is because when my proposal was rejected uh, by other publishers, um, there was a feeling each time of, oh my God, this must mean that I'm a really crap writer and I'm never going to get a book published and I just cannot even right now. Like I I still can remember, you know, getting a a form letter type email back from a publisher and just feeling my stomach drop. And there were a couple of times, the last two times that the, the proposal was ultimately not accepted when the publishers were a maybe for a minute. So I got the email back saying, we're going to consider this and we're going to talk about it at an editorial meeting. And so then I'm, you know, reading that email and going, Oh my God, you know, freaking out and all that stuff. And then a month later would find out actually we've just decided not to pick it up. And I, I knew that it was a promising sign that the pub, the proposal had gone from not being even considered and just getting a boilerplate email to we're going to look at it and then getting the rejection. Every single time it was rejected though, there were little bits of feedback that I was given about maybe you could tweak this, that, or the other, stuff like that. But the the feedback that was consistent across the board was always, 
Unfortunately, your platform numbers are not big enough. And I want to say that because I think that I was lucky to get some of that feedback because if I had not gotten the, your platform numbers are not big enough feedback, there might've been a part of me that would have gone in the direction of going just solely. It was about talent or writing or any of that. It's not the publishing industry is an industry on the whole that is in my opinion, at least suffocating slowly the industry at large, the larger industry has not pivoted for the digital age. Um, there's more and more of that happening all the time, but the larger industry is not pivoting for the digital age. And I'm thinking of things like that, where, um, the industry is really dependent on signing authors who already have platforms because the industry has really gutted, I think, their PR capabilities on the whole. And I'm, I'm not speaking about my publisher. I'm speaking about the industry because I have a number of friends who have published books and everybody is pretty much who's published a book saying collectively the same thing. They couldn't get a book deal through until they had a reasonably sized platform. And once they got the book deal through, the publishers have the ability to get your book onto the shelves at Barnes and Noble in a way that you can't, if you self-publish in most cases anyway, I'm sure there's, there's ways, but for the most part, can't get your book into a traditional regular bookstore, but they don't actually have the PR capabilities behind them anymore. That those are, those are the places where just a lot of funding has been cut um, there's a lot of churn in PR departments where new PR people come through all the time. And a lot of the, the people who I, I know who have published books traditionally, a number of these authors are going, why do I even need to be in a traditional bookstore anymore? Like I'm not getting the PR help from the publishing industry, you know, um, the, at most I'm getting put into a Barnes and Noble And Amazon and digital sales are increasingly taking over everything. Even if you're all about independent books, bookstores and and all that, uh, Kindle or EPUB, that is starting to take more and more and more of the market share. Audiobooks are starting to take more and more of the market share. And these days, literally, if you want to, you can buy an ISBN number. ISBN number is how the, the, your book is cataloged and you can go onto Amazon's create space platform and you can publish your own book. You just need an ISBN, a cover and a manuscript, and then you can put it out there and then you're going to get the same buck 50 in sales in royalties per copy that you might get through a traditional publisher. The other thing that I'm hearing from colleagues of mine about the publishing industry as well is that it takes too long to get a book out there. So, I mean, I'll speak for me. It was two years from the acceptance of my my proposal to PubDate. So 2016 is actually when the proposal was accepted, but the book was not published until 2018. And again, I'm, I'm not hating on my publisher. My publisher is awesome. This is a standard thing that many publishers do. And the publishing industry is what I'm shedding some light on here. 
And two years to get a book out, I mean, most people who really love to write, it's it's like, yeah, we we all need editorial help, but two years to get a book out, that's just a really long time to wait to get a book out. Um, so those are some of the things that are going on in the, in the behind the scenes of the publishing industry. So if you are a brand new coach and you don't have much of a platform, you don't have a lot of connections, yes, you want to be working on your book, your book proposal, because the creative process will change you and the creative process will have, you know, dips and turns and detours. Um, and those can take a while for you to sort out, but the first thing you need to really be working on if you want to secure a traditional publishing deal is your platform. You've got to get your social media numbers up and you've got to get your subscribers up. One of the first things that I was asked for any time my, my proposal was even under consideration was, what are your numbers? And again, this is the whole industry. This is not just one publishing house. This is the entire industry. And I think the industry is suffocating under an old model where a lot of different players and gatekeepers and et cetera are all operating under that old model. And a great number of books who are making it into traditional publishing now are choosing to bypass that model, self-publish use their own platforms to make money. And then the traditional publishing industry comes along and notices that work and then says, oh, uh, actually, we'd love to take over the book that you've had so much success with and give you an advance and, and start getting it into traditional bookstores. So that is another route too. There are a lot of routes to becoming an author. Now I'm going to speak a little bit to time. How do you find the time? You know, Because you're running your business and you're coaching your clients, and you're also trying to do life. And I'm recording this in the summer of 2020, so we are just you know six months in with COVID, and it is theoretically going to continue for quite a while. And people are going, my kids are home from school, I just don't have the time. Well, let me tell you something. I, I struggle with some of those same time barriers or limitations, um, constrictions, I'll call them. I like calling them constrictions, challenges, barriers and limitations feels a little finite constrictions and challenges feel a little easier. So I struggle with those sorts of things too. And what I have needed to do is some pretty basic, uh, coaching work. And I know we've all done it with our clients who come to us and they say, I have a big dream for something, but I don't have time. So where do I find time to write? Because I am at work on my next book. Literally, it's an hour at a time. It's carving out a half hour here, an hour there. Sometimes 15 minutes here, sometimes driving along and I have a thought and I pull over and I whip out my phone and hit the voice memo and I like record the thought and then I pull back out into traffic and drive to whatever my destination is. And is that how I would prefer to create? No. How I would prefer to create would be, you know, my kiddo is in school and I can just kind of set aside a long stretch of time and the house is going to be all nice and quiet with no interruptions and I could make some notes and then kind of work out, you know, uh, no, no, that's not life for me right now. And that's not life for a lot of people. So my reframe is about going, okay, I've got the time I've got, and I will use the time I've got. And that's, that's just how it's going to go. So that is my recommendation to any of you. 
Now let's talk about the writing process. And this is, as you can imagine, you know, it's, it's a podcast episode. So obviously I'm not getting into the nitty gritty of every single piece that goes into being a coach and an author, but I want to give you some of the broad strokes. Um, people might ask, should I be writing with an outline first, or should I be just like trying to get my thoughts down on paper? Well, here's what I understand to be true. Publishers are going to be looking for your book to address a problem that people face and the book needs to provide a solution to that problem. So you can actually do it either way. If you are someone who really does best mapping out an outline and that feels like flow to you, then map out your outline and get going. If you are someone who feels like an outline is too constrictive too like hemming you in like, Oh God, now I had an outline and I said, chapter four was going to be about this. And now it has to be about this. And then I feel all constricted and and I don't like it. Then don't do an outline. Just write, just write, sit down and write, do whatever is going to get you into a space of flow. I have used both approaches at different times. When I, when I feel like I have more flow, just sitting down and writing, I'll do that get it all down onto the paper. Well, I guess onto the computer, onto the page is the, the expression that everyone used to use before computers were as ubiquitous as they are. And yes, I'm that old. I remember when computers were not as ubiquitous as they now are. So you're getting all your words down and you're going with that flow and you can just craft it later. You can look at it later and go, okay, what's the major point I'm trying to make? How am I supporting these different points? If I'm saying someone needs to change their life by XYZ method, what is the method? How would someone implement it? Like you can get it down and then shape it later. Or there have been other times where I've gone, all right, I feel more drawn to flow with an outline here and I'm going to outline it and then I'm going to start putting in some of the different pieces. I've had other times where I was having trouble shaping my content where I actually looked at the structure of other authors. And by looked at the structure, what I mean is I looked to see, okay, so do they start by telling a story or do they start by introducing a concept? Do they move into personal anecdotes or do they move into case study type anecdotes? So there are a lot of different ways that you can approach this and none of them are wrong. I think that's the biggest thing I want to say about getting your thoughts down. The one thing that I think really detours a lot of people around the creative process of writing, and certainly when I get stuck in this, it's it's difficult for me, is trying to get it right quickly or especially on the first go. And I see that a lot. There's this, this sense of if I'm writing and I don't feel like what I'm writing is any good, then I just shouldn't even try to persevere. No, I call that get your butt in the seat for myself. At least I do. It's like, if I'm feeling like, uh, it's just not flowing. I'm not getting it right. It's like, I need to try new methods and I need to have my butt in a seat until I start to get some momentum going. I think that we often run away from discomfort and the practice of being willing to sit with discomfort, to sit at a table 
and say to yourself, I'm going to sit here for 30 minutes and I'm going to write. And it can be the worst junk in the world, but I'm going to do it because that's how I'm going to find my way through. I think that's a preferable strategy to, oh, it's just not working today. I'm just, I'll try tomorrow. And then tomorrow never comes. Or the same thing happens the next day and the next day and the next day. And the person doesn't sit with it long enough to see that they can get to the other side. What I want for you is to feel a sense of flow in your writing because that to me is going to create work that truly has you feel fulfilled. And also that is the work that is most likely to reach your people and light them up and have them go, oh my God, this concept has changed my life. We all know that feeling. I know there are books that when I read just like a paragraph from a book and something clicked and it was like, oh my God, my life is different because this person wrote this. Somebody's going to have that feeling about what you write too. Last thing I'll close with, why would you want to write a book? This is a worthy conversation for you to have with yourself because A, writing is hard, B, building your coaching platform to get a self-help proposal through and accepted and all that can be challenging. And C, (laughs) you're probably not going to be famous. I mean, don't get me wrong. When, when the courage habit was coming out, I sat down and I visualized every day. If this is like the, what the universe wants and the highest and best, I would love to be a New York Times bestselling author. And I still would love for that to happen. It, hey, if the universe is listening, I'm here. Um, I, I would love for that to happen. That would be an amazing experience. My work could reach a lot more people. Um, it, becoming a New York Times bestselling author removes a lot of gatekeepers who start getting a lot of invitations instead of having to pitch yourself to be invited to do things. These are all wonderful things. And if the only reason you're doing it is because you think you're going to be famous, well, you might not be famous. So will it be worth it to you? If you knew that your book would only reach, I don't know, a thousand people the first year, Would it still be worth it to you then? And then the money, I mean, you know, I think I'm getting like a buck 60 maybe. I can't quite remember for every sale of The Courage Habit, which means that for me to have like a really stellar royalty check, I'd need to sell, you know, thousands of copies of The Courage Habit kind of constantly, right? What has happened with my own royalties over time is that they, they go up and down drastically. Um, foreign rights have, have sold a couple times. So, you know, the book is doing well enough because when a book is doing well enough, that's how, you know, they get foreign rights. Um, it's in Russian now. It's in Spanish now. Um, it's in Vietnamese now. You know, that's a cool experience. That's a very cool experience. Um But am I paying my mortgage off of my royalties? No, no, I'm not. So that's the other thing is, is like this, this association that people make with, if you have a book out, you're going to get rich and famous. I hope that is your experience if that's what you want. And I hope that the experience of being rich and famous might 
give you what you want in life and in the world. I'm just letting you know that it's something that really only happens to a very tiny percentage of people. So my suggestion is to make the writing of the book personally meaningful for you first and foremost, rather than making it about some kind of external benchmark that you're going to hit. The best metaphor that was given to me during the writing process of The Courage Habit was from my coach, Leanne Raymond. She said to me that there's this metaphor for for getting a book out into the world that it's like birthing a child. And when you are birthing a child, you grow it, you create, you create it, you grow it, um, you nourish it while it's gestating as best as you can, and then it comes out into the world, and then there's a certain level of control that you just don't have. And even with a young child, a baby, you do the best you can, right? But the book has its own life. The child has its own life that it's destined to live and going to live. So I can show up for the podcast interviews to talk about my book or the invites to speak at a convention or, you know, things like that. That That's my showing up. But ultimately, I can't control everything that's going to happen with the book. And the more I have leaned on that as a metaphor, the more grounded I've always felt. And I have to say, um, making it more about the personal, I, I mean, I know that we all know intellectually that that's the way to go. But I got to tell you, like when people have met me and said the courage habit shifted my life in some way, or it really provided an aha for mo- moment for me, that has been like, like a smile is on my face all day. When I get a DM in my Instagram or an email from someone, or if I've met someone in person, it's just like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's just the best because that to me is the most meaningful thing about having created a book and gotten it out into the world. So I hope that this has been helpful to give you something of an overview. Um, if any of you, by the way, are thinking to yourself, well, I don't have a big platform. It's going to take me forever to get a platform. Oh, hold on about that. Platforms can grow overnight, right? Like the rich and famous from a book thing relatively uncommon. Someone building a pretty sizable platform within a couple of months to a year, actually quite common with the right moves and a little bit of luck and some good heart and hustle. So the platform thing, don't see that as a barrier. See it as, hey, it's a good investment for me in my business to grow my platform anyway. Even if one of my end games is to get a book deal, hey, in the interim, how many invitations, how much, how much more attention on my brand, how many more clients might I get to work with, how many more awesome opportunities might come my way just from investing this time into growing my platform. All the different puzzle pieces do come together and they come together differently for everyone. So I hope that this gives you at least a running start in thinking about what you want to happen with you and your book as you start to become an author. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a moment to give us a rating in iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, ah, so helpful because that helps other people to learn about this podcast and also listen in. 
You might also want to become a subscriber so that you always get the latest episodes. If you head over to the Courageous Living Coach Certification website at teamclcc.com, that's T-E-A-M-C-L-C-C.com, and sign up to be a subscriber, not only will you get the first information about whenever we open up enrollment, you will also get access to a number of bonuses, like our Become a Coach video series, invitations to webinars on the craft of coaching, and so much more. So I hope that I see you over there. Once again, thanks so much for listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day.